Neither Marcus nor Tabby are a professional broadcaster. This will soon become evident. Welcome to the podcast that, by its fourth season, will have to introduce more and more subsidiary characters because it's harder and harder to get the two main people in the same room. My, my, my name is possibly Marcus Brayburn. Hey, I'm Tabby. And we are the, the Detective, Detective Inspectors. Inspectors. Hooray! Nice. Here we are. Here we are once again. It's Here we are a, once uh, again. It's a beautiful Sunday, um, and we are uh, raring to go. We are raring to go, as usual. Uh, if you've forgotten, we are on opposite sides of Europe. So uh, this is a conversation being conducted by the miracle of Skype. <laughs> it's a, we're really kind of abusing the technology, I think. <laughs> like for for all of the beauty and the like, the amazing things that this could actually sort of um, produce in the world, we're here talking about uh, detective programs. And, I know. Uh, you know. Um, I should be showing. Uh, I should be holding up my nice new grandchild to my yeah. to my sun bronzed <laughs> grandparents in Australia because they can't get over like on the adverts for for big telephones. Well, I, I was thinking we could probably just use the bandwidth of our computers to actually kind of help uh, sort of uh, uh, compute and work out sort of like various problems. Like, um, yeah, I could world, be mining. Um, I could be mining for Bitco uh, for for. Uh, I could be mining for cryptocurrency. You you could be, but that's that seems like that's kind of dead at the moment. I don't know. Um, no, no, it's bullish. I, I, bullish. Uh, There's a recovery. Yeah. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. Well, um, watch watch this space. Uh, Things are okay. <laughs> Things are okay. I've still got wine. <laughs> that's fine you know like when when you're recording this podcast like like off the coast of spain and in in your bitcoin finance yacht then um, then i will eat my words <laughs> thank you doki i look forward to that yeah well i bet you would <laughs> plus plus also can i be a guest on your yacht i'd like that <laughs> not anymore you were going to oh. be the first name on the list but uh you <laughs> you were going to name the boat after me <laughs> yeah the SS Tabby. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> probably sink. <laughs> probably, probably. Uh, so what did we do on this podcast? Right. Uh, on this podcast, if you happen to be a new listener, what we do is we watch a detective television programme. Uh, we chat about the first half of it for a bit. We generally like to try and predict what will happen in the second half, and then we watch the second half and see how we got on. Okay, that sounds that sounds good. Um, Why don't you tell us what we're watching today? I will do that. So, this program ran from 1995, uh, 1985, I'm sorry, uh, to 
fucking idiot with the idiot with your decades. Christ, <laughs> you've got it written down. In front I, of you. I know. <laughs> I can't read my own writing. It's no, I can't sad. read your writing. <laughs> no one can. It's it, it's basically code. Um, but the code fails when I can't actually read it myself. But hey ho. Um, so it ran from 1985 to 1989, um, uh, with a grand total of 66 episodes. Um, we the episode that we are watching is from series two or season two, um, episode six, which aired first on the 31st of July 1986. Um, the episode is called Knowing Her, and we're watching Moonlighting uh, with a couple of like actors who you would never have like heard of like before or since. Um, so we so we've got kind of like the the main star of some guy called Bruce Willis. Um, Bruce Willis, what, yeah. Whatever happened to him? Um, and uh, the uh, female star, uh, Sybil Shepherd, who's just, you know, they've, they've really not gone on to do anything good in their careers. So, um, yeah. This, this actually launched Bruce Willis. Like, he was an unknown. He was an unknown before this. Sybil Shepherd had been around, but her career, I think, had been in a lull. And so this brought her back into the public eye, very much revived her. Although okay. I don't know quite what she did after this. I don't know. I don't remember in a whole lot since. Um, well, the, uh, she was in her own like sitcom, uh, Sybil. Um, oh, of course she which, was. Um, clues in the name. Um, <laughs> and, um, I thought that was a spin-off uh, from 40 Towers. <laughs> nice. Um, I mean, oh, she, I know. But I mean, she, she's uh, fucking phenomenal. Like she's in one of my favourite films, um, uh, all that jazz, which is uh, amazing. So if you've not seen all that jazz, um, yeah, check it out. It's a. It seems like it's going to be like a light throwaway kind of musical, but it's actually an incredibly beautifully made character study of um, uh, the. Uh, trappings and um, uh, pressures of, of fame um, so okay. yeah okay so this week's so this week's recommendation is all that jazz starring Sybil Shepherd and uh, also last night I watched uh, death becomes her um, again with uh, Bruce Willis so uh, check that out because that's fucking fun <laughs> sounds like you've done you've done some good research so um, it, it, purely so just so, so here's a here's a question for you did you ever watched this back in the day no I was never actually aware of it I don't it wasn't I, I don't know how I could have missed it um but no like yeah so do you remember actually watching this like the like on live on telly um live definitely live on television it's very similar for me for um similar to Bergerac in that you, I don't know, I guess I was 10 or 11 years old, 12 years old, so I was just starting to be allowed to sit up and watch, you know, TV after after 7 o'clock or whatever. <laughs> and I remember, I remember Moonlighting was on BBC Two. I really remember the theme tune. And I just, I'm a bit of an old romantic, truth to be told. So I always loved the, I always loved the interplay between Bruce and Sybil 
and I just yeah I I have to I have to confess early on that I am a fan. Okay. Of the moonlighting. Yeah. Um, because they because they hated each other like they like it's it's well well documented in this program like their kind of interaction like you can kind of they're kind of playing that they kind of hate each other but they they genuinely disliked each other. Yeah. Very similar to this podcast. <laughs> I know. <laughs> In a way, this podcast is the reincarnation of Moonlighting. <laughs> there is like a... Because there's a sexual tension from you to me that is in no way reciprocated. So wow. I'm very much the Sybil Shepherd. God, you wish. Um... <laughs> you wish. <laughs> on, that, on that note, on let's that have really some music. On that really weird note... <laughs> Let's have some music and come back cool. to discuss <laughs> Moonlighting. The Detective Inspectors. Okay, welcome back to the podcast. So, Moonlighting. So, the plot of this one revolves around uh, a woman called Gillian Armstrong. She walks into the Blue Moon Detective Agency, which is where Bruce and Sybil work. Uh, she's had jewellery stolen from her hotel. She speaks to Sybil Shepherd, uh, and basically she says that there's one special piece of jewellery that has been stolen, a heart-shaped locket. Uh, and then Bruce Willis, David Addison Jr. We didn't say, actually, did we, what they're called. So Bruce <laughs> no. Willis is David Addison Jr. And Sybil Shepherd is Maddie Hayes, um, an ex an ex-model who used to advertise shampoo. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, yeah, she she's somehow some like a mass like a massive fortune being a, a shampoo model, which yeah, which she's then lost in the pilot episode. But we won't get into that. That's how she's ended up. That's how she's ended up working at the Blue Moon Detective Agency. Uh, yes, it was her. Like she owned a number of companies, and like her. She was forced to shut a load of them down, but yeah. somehow, somehow, kind of decided to keep this shitty detective agency going. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. Uh, but luckily, she did, because otherwise, there wouldn't have been a program. So, <laughs> uh, so Bruce. So it turns out that Bruce and Gillian are old flames. So the tension between them, Bruce Willis, uh, is obviously kind of a bit shocked and upset by her presence. Uh, Basically, she then, uh, Gillian then excuses herself. Bruce then goes and sees her at a hotel where she is living. She owns up to being involved in gold diggery, basically, and had married a man for money, uh, who she's now left, and she reckons he's watching him, right? Yeah. He's oh, watching yeah, he's, her. He's, he's watching, watching her, her yes. rather. Uh, and then Bruce and, Bruce and Gillian have a big old chit-chat. She goes out onto what looks like the most dangerous balcony in the world. <laughs> That's really badly superimposed on the front of a building. But, uh, is it know. superimposed? Is that why it, it looks so bad? Uh, yeah, 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 it looks awful. Um, plus also it looks it's terrifying. It looks, like, it, it looks like the sort of balcony I would never go out on because it looks like it wants to fall uh, off that building. It's, it, 
plus is the only that other balcony on is the only balcony on that building. There's no other like you just like the you just sort of like what fifty stories up and you and like it's just like oh yeah no we we've just decided like for all the other all the other apartments in this building we decided to just slap a balcony on this one for oh oh you're in the balcony suite. <laughs> That's how they make that. That's how they make that special. If you put balconies on all the hotel suites, then they're all the same, and you can't charge more for the one with the balcony. Well, they missed a trick because, like, they really should have made that balcony safe. If, if that's what exactly. they were going well, that, for. Well, that takes me nicely on to the next thing that happened. Is basically she, her, and Bruce are continuing their chat. She leans against the balcony, and it gives way. He saves her and pulls her inside, and then we cut back to the Blue Moon Detective Agency, Bruce Willis asks Sybil Shepherd to go and see her husband, uh, Harlan Armstrong. Uh, so she does that. She seems a bit reluctant to do that, right? Yeah. But she does it anyway, despite the fact she is effectively being paid to do that by the woman. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, he seems all right, though, right? He uh, seems genuine enough. Uh, yeah, you would think. Uh, he seems upset that his wife has left him. As as, as you would be. I mean, she's, uh, you know, she's got some... His got, wife? Uh, she's got, I was going to say she's got some amazing bags. Um, but, uh, right, okay. <laughs> she's got the best bob. The best bob uh, I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, no, like, it's proper, proper, like, uh, Louise Brooks. Like, this is, uh, you know, really good, good quality. Um... Good quality it's a top wig. bob, top bob, <laughs> a wig. Do you think? I reckon so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, anyway, so she goes to see the husband, Sybil. He seems all right. Gillian then is uh, so she leaves the husband's office. Gillian, it turns out, has taken an overdose. She rushes to the hospital. Bruce Willis tells Sybil, uh, Sybil Shepherd, that he thinks that the husband is trying to kill the wife. Sybil Shepherd doesn't believe it. She just thinks Bruce Willis is too involved in this because of the relationship that him and this woman had in the past. Yeah. And then it cuts to uh, Bruce Willis and Gillian for some reason are meeting at Inspiration Point. Like, effectively, like, make-out corner. Like, yeah. But they're adults. Um, they don't... You don't need to go to, like, a, a weird sort of, like, a place, like, out of the city limits to get off with someone. Like, exactly. You know, exactly. She's got her own massive hotel suite uh, that they yeah. could easily meet in if this is what they want to do. And... and Presumably, Bruce Willis has a, 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 some sort of house or apartment. Um, I'm almost, I'm almost guaranteeing he sleeps on a mattress on the floor <laughs> and is surrounded by empty whiskey bottles <laughs> and old newspapers. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, that's that, that's probably fair. But you know, it's a mattress. You don't have to, you you don't have to go and get off with someone in a car. <laughs> it's exactly, and yet they do. And uh, and so they kind they kind of chat for a bit, don't they? And then eventually they start having a kiss, and then she spots that her husband is sitting in a car, like a hundred meters away over the other side, and basically she goes over to talk to him. Bruce wants to go, but she insists that she goes. She walks over there. They start having an argument, and then kaboom! There's a gunshot, and uh, the husband is shot, and she has the great line. Is he dead? 
is he all right? Um, <laughs> like, which, which, two, which, as you pointed out, are the only two options in that situation. Absolute polar opposites of the scale. It's like, well, yeah, I took the gun off him. I shot him. Is he dead? Is he all right? No, you fucking shot him. <laughs> like, yeah. there is no he's, way. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely not all right. He might be very badly injured. He might be dead. Yeah. But he's definitely, definitely not all right. Yeah. Um, like, how was your day? Oh, it was all right. Oh, you got shot. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. No, there is a point in the middle. It was okay, and I didn't get shot. That's, uh, that's that's how I gauge my days. <laughs> didn't get shot again. It's no, a good one. Yep. Uh, so she shoots her. So she shot her husband, and she reckons it's in self-defence. Bruce Willis confirms that the husband is dead, and ha, oh, we cut, and that is, and that is half an hour. There's not a lot. There's not a lot there. There, there really is scenes which are extremely long, where not a great deal really seems to happen. Absolutely fuck all happens. Like, the first five minutes of this programme, uh, Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepherd are fucking bickering. Um, for nothing. For no good reason whatsoever. There's just them, like, taking, like, cheap shots at each other for no fucking purpose. Well, uh, that, I mean, I mean, that, that, that kind of is the programme. <sighs> I mean, yeah. the, the, the programme is built on Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepherd kind of not getting on, well, not or not getting on at all, but having, at moments, a, a sexual tension. So, I mean, I agree with you. It, I mean, that is a big chunk of filler at the start. The whole thing. Um, plus also, I don't know. I mean, could you... If that's your kind of main premise, it's like... I don't know. I, I, I like this program has left me, left me really conflicted because uh, I kind of should like it because I like everyone in it. Um, I kind of like what's going on, but at this point, I'm just not sure. Well, I think yeah. Let's not judge it too soon. You haven't seen the second half of it yet, so who knows how that's who knows how it's all going to pan out. Um, but I mean, I mean that kind of is the plot. I mean, we have there isn't really. A massive amount. I mean, there's not a lot of Bruce and Sybil Shepherd in the same room together in this. Yeah. Um, so the bickering part. Maybe they were just getting it out of the way, like because they had like contractually they had to bicker for at least five minutes before like, the plot goes on. Exactly. Um, well, it's kind of, because it's the ongoing arc of the series. I think they have to include that stuff, and because the plot maybe doesn't involve them being particularly involved with one another certainly for the first half an hour perhaps they're like you know let's get that bickering in yeah up top no fair, fair enough um she's changed a wheel hasn't she on her way to work i mean that's how it starts she's had to change a wheel and she's covered in oil and soot and for some reason her, her, tights, her, her, her tights are halfway down her legs yeah I don't, and she's I don't. shuffling around the office yeah, don't get it. Um, <laughs> um, other than that, I guess there's not really. But Bruce Willis in his jumper—that's that's my main takeaway from this from this half. This is the this is the thing that upset me the most. Is the your? I I like that jumper. When I watched this last night for prep, that the first half of this, my first thought when that scene come uh, when that scene came on was I. Like, 
I like that jumper. I would buy a jumper like that today if one was available. <laughs> but he's not wearing a t-shirt. He's not wearing like you, that's fine if you're kind of like bumming around the house. But you you don't go out like with a jumper without like anything underneath. Like it, it doesn't. Why matter. not? Because um, it's gonna ruin the jumper. It's. <laughs> I've done that. I've done that. I've worn a jumper with nothing underneath it before. It's a it's a look. It, it it doesn't sit well with me. I'm the, I'm, I'm just going to say that now. Um, I'm I'm looking at you now. Yeah. And you were wearing a shirt. I certainly am. Are you wearing anything underneath the shirt? Don't show me. Just tell me. <laughs> no, I am not. So where I don't really see what the difference is. Um, because if I had a jumper on over the shirt, you'd be thinking, oh, okay, a shirt and a jumper. Like it, it would be. An... <laughs> You know, if, if I was sitting here in like a brown Mac, um, like you have for most of the other records. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. I do. I, I, I need to work on that. Um, I gave Tabby an extra few minutes today to to get changed after his Sunday walk in the park. Yeah, but I don't see what the problem is with the jumper without a t-shirt. Like it's a thing. It's not. No, no, it should never happen. It's it's a terrible thing. I, 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 <laughs> I thoroughly disagree with the whole idea of it. <laughs> okay, listener. Okay, listener. This this week's question is: What do you think, listener, about a jumper without a t-shirt underneath? Because oh, all right, it's not everyone's choice, but I don't see it as being particularly bad. Do you wear a t-shirt underneath a jumper, or are you a monster? That's. <laughs> I normally wear a t-shirt under a jumper, but occasionally I do not. Well, good. <laughs> should we uh, should we move on? I think we probably should. <laughs> okay. So after this very short bit of music, we'll come back and we'll try and uh, try and see make if we can sense. unpick what might happen in the second half over here. I'm going to be uh, taking off my shirt and getting my jumper on. <laughs> Felony homicide. So I have to confess, I think uh, I think this is a bit of a mystery, this one, because I don't really... I mean, I've got a few ideas, but it certainly isn't clear, is it, what's going on here? Not like last week with LA Heat. Not really. Um, I'm not entirely sure who the victim is or really what the point of them dicking about <laughs> is. Um, well, let's, well, let's deal with the locket. The heart-shaped locket is okay. that. Is that uh, what do you call it? Uh, what do you call it with the truck last week? Uh, uh, if you see a truck, <laughs> if you see a truck in a car chase, what is that? Um, uh, uh, Chekhov's truck. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you think this is not Chekhov's locket? Um, like, I don't think it's gonna because I, I don't think the locket will play any part. I don't think it was. That was just her excuse, I think, to go to the detective agency. I, yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, do you want to do you want to say who who you think is the uh, who is the villain? Because I've 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 got kind of I've got kind of an idea. Um, uh, well, I, I mean, I can I can tell you now exactly what I think. Okay. I've kind of got the whole thing worked out in my head as what I think it is. Go for it. Um, I mean, we're not really doing points, are we, anymore for this? So we'll just uh, we'll just have a. I'll give you mine, and then you can give me yours. Oh, you've said that before. 
<laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so I think, what I think, because when Gillian turns up at the detective agency, the, the kind of woman at the centre of it all that just shot her husband, yep. she claims that she doesn't know that Bruce Willis is going to be there. I think she does know Bruce Willis is going to be there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm calling bullshit on that. I think that. Yeah, yeah. She, I, I think, I, I think we're, we're probably reading off the same page. Um, I think we are. So, so basically, she made up the locket story to get through the door and have a reason to be there. She knew Bruce Willis would be there, and then she knew that she could use him as a patsy and a witness for this like murder of her husband. And I think the husband. Because when, before Bruce Willis turns up at make-out point, she's sitting in the car smoking a cigarette and she's looking proper stressed out. And I think she's already shot her husband. And then when Bruce Willis is there, she goes oh, over and makes nice. out like there's an argument and then she shoots him so that Bruce Willis is now her alibi that it was in self-defence. No, I agree. I agree absolutely entirely. Um Wow. I, I would like to point out like the it's a really long scene of her lighting and smoking that cigarette it's it, it, it's as if they want you to think that smoking is cool um, which, which it is which I disagree with um, okay no it's not cool kids no yeah no but um, you know don't smoke and if you do smoke make sure you've up. killed make sure you've killed someone first that's the <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> what? It's my it's my anti smoking message. <laughs> if you're gonna smoke, kill someone. That's. <laughs> it's one of those things. A lot of people, a lot of people, only have a cigarette after sex or after a good meal. Tabby only smokes a cigarette after he's murdered someone. I like in a, a car at makeout point. I. Where else are you gonna kill someone? It's fucking perfect you know you, you get the nice view of the city you get the, the you know true. the burbling the burbling blood of the corpse the, bur, the, the burbling blood yeah yeah that burbling blood of the yeah check that's also co that. coincidentally my uh, death metal album <laughs> burbling blood of the corpse yes <laughs> and have a fag <laughs> okay uh, and then yeah have a cigarette yeah nice yeah. <laughs> just round off the evening so, uh, so yeah it's I think we're done I think we are I think we're done I mean if you're if you're agreeing with me uh, I mean I think I think if it isn't that if it isn't how we said it then I think we're gonna have to we're gonna have to give kudos to the writers, but it definitely th seems that way. I think so. Um, yeah, and if it's uh, if it's not that, I will uh, eat <laughs> um, eat a corpse. <laughs> you heard it here first. You heard it here first, folks. Tabby's gonna eat a corpse. If we yeah, haven't correctly predicted the. Uh, what is the name for that crime? Is there a name for that? Because cat. Is that well? It's cannibalism, I suppose. I suppose it's it's, it's cannibalism. It's yeah, uh, uh, it's not good. <laughs> it's not either way. What whatever it's called, don't do that, kids. No, no, take up smoking. <laughs> yeah, of the two, 
smoking is preferable. It uh, absolutely. It's not good, but it's better. <laughs> yeah, smoking. People say smoking is bad, but there are a lot worse <laughs> things. Cannibalism is just one of them. We won't. We are not. <laughs> shut up. Quiet. We are not going into the others. So join us after the break to see if Tabby will or will not become a cannibal. Let's hope not. I'm just a stranger. Love the blues and the graves. There is the sun. Seems hard. Okay, that's enough. There is. <laughs> no, go, please, please carry on. So there you go. Uh, welcome back. We've uh, <laughs> we've just watched the second half of Moonlighting. And you can, as you can tell, uh, Marcus has gone slightly mad. So um, <laughs> let's see how this goes. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I don't. Um, okay, let's. Well, let's get to that. So, uh, uh, one thing we overlooked in the first half, I've realised before we move any further, is we did. Uh, we ignored the the third character that features in all these episodes, which is the secretary of the Blue Moon Detective Agency, uh, Agnes de Pesto, played by Alice Beasley. Uh, who you horror fans will know from um, at the Tommy Knockers, um, the, uh, the Stephen King TV adaptation, uh, plus also uh, Loaded Weapon 1. Um, two of my favourite things to watch as a kid. So uh, there you but go. She's, but she's cool. She's in every episode and she's... Uh, and she's a good like she's a good quirky quirky addition to the whole thing. And I, I just we didn't mention her in the first half, and I like her, so I wanted to just get her get her a mention now. Uh, yeah, um, but also um, in the other episode that we uh, that we watched, she seems to talk only in rhyme, which was not so good. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing in every in every episode. She does that. That's that, that's part of her character's like uh, whole thing. She always answers the phone like that in every every episode where the phone gets picked up. She does that whole thing. Just a terrible receptionist. I'd be really annoyed. <laughs> so Well, I'm okay. hanging up. I'm hanging up before she gets to the end of her rhyme normally and phoning up a different detective agency. So, can I speak to Marcus? Oh, no, Marcus is in the Parkus. Like, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> What's the Parkus? No. <laughs> More to the point. <laughs> is this a new thing that I'm unaware of? <laughs> Some new form of public space that crosses a public space with a coat for cold weather. <laughs> Marcus is in the park is getting darkest. Um... <laughs> Along those lines, I borrowed your Mac. <laughs> Just yeah, you can keep it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I dry cleaned it before I wore it. <laughs> so we come back in to moonlighting. There's a very, very I don't know about you, but I was partic- I was annoyed by the scene that comes in straight away where they just there's a bit in the police station, isn't there? And basically 
the police are pretty happy that it's self-defence and it's all fine. Yeah, uh, Gillian's going to get away with it. And then there's an, we basically go back to the Blue Moon Detective Agency and there's a fantastically annoying scene where they're both, her and, and Bruce, Sybil and Bruce, are just talking over each other for, it feels like... Way too long. Yeah, it just it's a nice little contrivance, but it goes on possibly for two minutes where they're both uh, talking so i was thinking kind of like seven hours um and the way they've done it is that like it's not even like a conversation they've just overlaid sort of like the two dialogue tracks over the top of each other and it doesn't work it's not funny it's not good it's just fucking painful it um, would work it would work if they did it if they both started speaking stopped speaking started speaking stopped speaking you could do that a few times that would be quite funny but this is just both of them talking on completely different tangents for two minutes over one another okay so do you know what's funny that two ronnie sketch where they're in like phone boxes four candles uh not the four candles four Um, candles no no four candles yep yep no i know (laughs) um no no, four candles Yep, four candles. <laughs> but no, no, when, four, uh, four candles. Uh, 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 <laughs> I, I promise that was the last time. Are you, are you gonna, are you gonna carry on, please? <laughs> no, 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 I'm done. I'm done. So we have this beautiful scenario, like a setup where two people are in like separate phone boxes, and like you hear one side of the conversation from each of them, but the, both of those conversations actually like fit together and make, you know, hilarity ensues. Um, fucking moonlighting. No, no, just shove like totally pointless dialogue on top of each other just to make you really know that these people are fucking dicks. Um, that That's my takeaway from this scene. I'm getting a lot of negative energy from you. I'm really... For something that I really kind of wanted to enjoy, I'm, I'm not... I'm just not feeling it. I think it's generational. <laughs> I do, I do. Because I, I think I was talking to some people at lunchtime today. I went for some lunch with some people in the Chiringuito and they, they had never heard of this. They were South African. And I wonder if it's the sort of thing, it's so... I do like it, but it's so dated that I wonder if... If you didn't watch it and like it at the time, if you, I mean, and a, this might be true of a lot of the stuff we watch. A lot of the stuff we watch, we think is shit. But then, people who loved it at the time probably love it. But we didn't watch it at the time, so we hate it. And I wonder with this, I really, I know there's faults in this. That scene is annoying, but I like it. And you, but you never saw it, so you, you're not invested in it in any way. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, I mean, you said it. You you saw this at the time. Um... You know, uh, I suppose, but then no, like equality, equality should transcend era. But no, surely. with some stuff it does. There is some stuff which is a classic, like Casablanca is a classic, amazing movie that everyone, you know, if you don't like Casablanca now, then you're basically not able to understand the kind of really good writing and performances that are in that film whereas there's other stuff but, but there's other stuff from that era which is probably garbage which which if we watched it we wouldn't like but people who watched it at the time would think it was great still i think that's the thing it's 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 
it's, it's, it's a situation like that. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, if you don't like Casablanca, you're probably a Nazi. Um, but, um, I don't know. I mean, it's, but it's, 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 it's difficult because you, like, you may like something or not like something, but you can always kind of make a judgment of actual, the actual quality of the, um, of the material that you're kind of watching. Oh yeah. Well, I'm doing. Well, I'm doing that though because I mean I'm accepting with you that that scene, that scene where they're talking over each other, is not good. Do you know what I mean? I accept that. That is like a, you know, that is a misstep that probably even if you'd watched it at the time, would probably have been quite annoying. But uh... Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so let's get into it. Let's uh, let's get into the. Uh... Let's crack on. Let's crack on. So we've got that scene. We've got that scene where they do that, and then. Bruce Willis, during that conversation, is putting his black funeral stuff on, which he happens to keep in the office for some reason, in his in his cupboard in the office. Do you not do that? Because I, you know, I, I I make sure that I have a, a, a full wardrobe of uh, funeral attire um, everywhere I go. Um, <laughs> it's just a thing. <laughs> it's just a thing. It's just yeah. a thing. Well, someone who kills as often as you—that's quite important. <laughs> You never know when they're going to find one of them, do you? Well, note to self, don't go to the funerals of the people you kill. That's exactly what they're looking for. That's, <laughs> that's how they get, that's often how they get people in these programmes. In fact, in this programme. Um, so he goes off to the funeral, Sybil Shepherd is left alone in the office, and then the police show up, and basically she, he, he confirms what we thought in the first half. Because he tells Sybil Shepherd that there's a bit of a problem with the paperwork and there are two bullets in the body and Bruce Willis is on record as saying he only heard one shot. So Sybil Shepherd immediately in and uh, Sybil Shepherd immediately works out what's gone on here. And fair dues yeah. to her, do you know what I mean? And she and she to be fair to Sybil Shepherd, she's been doubting this woman all the way through and Bruce Willis has been totally uh, 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 has been totally taken in by all her bullshit uh, and uh, yeah Sybil Shepherd uh, absolutely right That's, uh, it's fucking obvious um, <laughs> of course this woman is the killer yeah um, <laughs> but she's been but she's doubted her from the start since before there was even a murder and Bruce Willis has been has been the one that's been like thinking with his heart or or further down perhaps yeah he's been thinking with his dick Basically, that's that's the uh, <laughs> that's what we can get from this. Um, the implication, uh, and therefore he is not a credible character. And any other episodes, like uh, so, what was this? This was like probably some sort of like the 15, 16 episodes in. All of the other episodes should be null and void because this man clearly is not thinking. Oh come properly. on, come on! That's not fair. We've all got blind spots. Do we? Of course we do. Of course we do. We've all had. We've all gone out with people that all our friends have known weren't right for us, and we've just been completely blindsided by their beauty or humour or money or whatever. <laughs> those, those three things. I think it's not in the, in, the, in that order. I just don't think it's fair to. Totally disregard Bruce Willis because of one misstep. 
Yeah, but, but also that's not our job. <laughs> like, if our job was to find criminals and... <laughs> to be fair to Bruce, to be fair to Bruce, as soon as, as soon as, so basically we turn up at the, we turn up at the funeral then, Sybil Shepherd tells Bruce Willis her theory after we've seen four men carry the emptiest looking coffin in the world out of the church. It looks like it's made of balsa wood. Like, they, yeah, it is weightless. <laughs> it is so weightless. And the actors are not even making an effort to make it look uh, yeah, no. like it might have anything in it. <laughs> That's possibly one of the things that I enjoyed most about this programme, actually. Empty coffin. <laughs> Unless they were on their way to put the body in it. That's not how funerals work. <laughs> we'll all meet at the churchyard, pick up the coffin, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, yeah, and then yeah, drive we'll... down to the mall. <laughs> Pick up old what's his chops. Uh, yeah, uh, stuff him, him in, in the box. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful now because it's going to get a lot heavier. <laughs> yeah, you take it easy. This is the good part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lift with your knees, not with your back. Like, <laughs> good advice. You've seen that video. With the guy in the blue leotard. Um. So, no, but to, to be fair, to, to give Bruce Willis, David Addison Jr., his dues, as soon as Sybil Shepherd brings this up with him, there is a slight moment of reluctance where he doesn't believe it. But then he is pretty much on board straight away after that. So as soon as he, as soon as he hears that there were two shots or two bullets and he only heard one shot, he's not taking... He's not taking it, is he, from Gillian? He's, he's like, you know, he's, he's on board pretty quickly with the truth. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, uh, I just don't really know where to go with this. <laughs> so well, we've well, we, I mean, what we the place to go is much like last week or on the last episode with LA Heat. What we are confronted with is an awesome, awesome chase sequence. And last time on LA Heat, it was the explosions. And the choreography, and the uh, car, uh, and the action the, was great. All of those good things. All of those things that make a good television programme. <laughs> this time, what we get is she... She, she basically realises that she's rumbled Gillian. She jumps in a hearse and screeches off. Bruce and Sybil get into another hearse and screech off behind her. All the other funeral people jump into the other hearses. So we get a huge... 20 hearse uh, uh, car chase accompanied by uh, uh, fucking amazing music um, it's uh, amazing it is amazing like a jaunty funeral music that, that is basically kind of like the, the, the background music for like a Tom Waits song effectively like um, I if the whole if the whole program was filled with this I would be absolutely overjoyed it was amazing it is incredible. It is basically chase music that has been made. It's basically the funeral march, but in chase, in chase form. And it is, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And they have a chase through the city, all these hearses screech, and they're not, they're very ungainly vehicles, the hearse. So there's a lot of, a lot of back end sliding out. And yeah, they're, they're not designed for speed. I, I, 
presume, apart from like the Ghostbusters. But um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that that one was modified. Uh, okay. <laughs> and was that a hearse or was that an ambulance? Oh, it might have been ambulance actually. It was uh, an ambulance car, wasn't it? Although I don't know how you would fit a fucking. It doesn't really work. Um, but you're probably right. No, no, it was a fire, wasn't it? A fire thing. Because they lived in a fire engine. A, a fire, they lived, in, <laughs> yes, they lived they, in a fire yes, engine they, house. Yes, they lived in a fire engine. <laughs> a fire engine, a fire station, I think they call them in America. In Spain, they call them fire engine houses. That's of course. Why I got confused. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, so they have... So they have the hearse chase to the best bit of music <laughs> yeah, I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, which it, I, I may try and I may even try and get it so I can play it out on there. I may even try and rip it off the uh, uh, off the program yeah, so I can yeah, play it out on the episode because it's brilliant. Please do. Um, that would be awesome. It's it's. Yeah. <laughs> and event eventually they the chase leads onto a, a baseball field. Uh, one of the hearses crashes through a balsa wood refreshment stand, her one, and then that gets totally demolished. She stops for no reason. She could easily carry on because that, that refreshment stand is destroyed beyond the point of being a refreshment stand anymore. She stops, gets out the car. Bruce Willis makes a jaunty joke about how she's out, which is baseball lingo, Tabby, for you. Okay, and, thank you very uh, much. And that is it that is pretty much it um like fuck all happens yep absolutely fuck all happens um so then we go to the credit sequence which uh, both um uh, myself and marcus were thoroughly thoroughly fucking relieved by um so hey speak for yourself um no, I, I, I saw the look of like despair and relief in your eyes so I, <laughs> No, that was only because I knew it was much closer. That's only because I knew the time that I could stop talking to you. <laughs> I was enjoying moonlighting. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm hurt and damaged. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, that was my intention. Oh, you're a... <laughs> you're a cruel, cruel man. <laughs> um, so we... we uh, Go to the office and uh, Bruce Willis like plops some flowers down um, on the desk. Then and we think, oh, that's going to be the end. Um, no, he comes back, writes a note. You think, oh, yeah. that's that's going to be the end. It's like leaves the room, comes back again, screws up the note, and that's the end. And, <laughs> and takes away the flower as well, doesn't he? He takes away the flower. Uh, and once again, it's all part of the ongoing plot of Moonlighting that he was try. He almost left a note and a, flo- a rose which says "I love you," and then he couldn't quite do it. He couldn't quite do it because he's too much of a dick and a proud, but, uh, a proud kind of wise guy. Uh, uh, who the fuck does it? Like, uh, it doesn't make any sense. I like uh, it's, it's annoying. I want to like Moonlighting. Um, but this kind of shit doesn't all work. I don't think. 
I'll be honest. Like you, you watched the pilot. What did you think of the pilot? Um, I, I thought that was good. The pilot. I really. I don't think this was a good episode of Moonlighting. Uh, this was definitely not a good episode. Um, I enjoyed the pilot. It was silly. Um, I kind but of silly. The, the the pilot's silly, but also there is quite a good plot in the pilot that they work out. Do you know what I mean? They they solve something in the pilot. Uh, I mean, I think kind of like the, with a program like this, like you be, you're relying on kind of like the relationship between the two protagonists. Like, um, you need to have kind of like a solid relationship between, um, like Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepherd. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, and you kind of don't get it. Like, you get sort of like, you know. Uh, two times in this, in like uh, at least like ten minutes of them bickering uh, uh, for no good reason, um, uh, and that's not. I don't know. It, uh, that 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 kind of is the show. Like uh, that kind of is the show. Is them bickering and then having these little moments of of of. You know, she cares about him. You can see at the funeral that she is... That she's... No, 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 no. It's in the police station. It's in the police station. You can see that she's jealous, that he goes off with Gillian. And it's like... And that's how this programme... That's what this programme was. But you're not really that invested? Like, like in Morse. Um, I'm going to go back to Morse. Morse? Yeah. Oh. yeah uh, <laughs> always Morse. Um, like the relationship between some like Morse and Lewis, like that. That's a kind of, uh, you know. Uh, 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 granted, I don't want to see them fucking. Um, <laughs> but... Are you comparing Kevin Waitley and John Thor to Sybil Shepherd and Bruce Willis? <laughs> like Morse is a well-written hour and a half long, like serious gritty detective program. This is comedy. This is dramedy. Well, there's no but, comparison. No, more so it. like this. I don't know. Like, I'd rather see that. Well, we know. Look, you've made it abundantly clear on every single episode of this we've ever recorded that you would rather be watching Inspector Moore. Which makes me wonder why you don't fuck off and do an Inspector Moore's podcast with someone else who likes Inspector Moore. And leave me to do this with someone that likes other things. <laughs> oh, that's harsh. <laughs> oh, just, just, just say what you really feel. Stop, don't hold back. Okay, maybe we need some music here to calm down and uh, we'll speak to you. Let's we'll, we'll speak to you with some... <laughs> With some final thoughts after this. Okay. Detective Inspectors. The dust has settled now on the Detective Inspectors, and uh, we've uh, we've had some clear the air talks, and now it's time for uh, ratings for uh, David Ellison Jr. and Maddie Hayes in the Detective Rankings. Tabby. Uh, I know you were a fan, so maybe you'd like to go first. Um, I, I think they were actually pretty fucking terrible. Um, 
judging by this, judging by this alone, um, the, uh, the fact that kind of like Bruce Willis is uh, utterly blind to the fact that um, his ex ex partner um, is the murderer, like to the to the end. So I'm going to give him, I'm going to give Bruce Willis a one. Um, I'm mm -hmm. gonna give I'm gonna give Sybil Shepherd a. Uh, I'm gonna give her a five for the fact that Ooh. she kind of <laughs> <laughs> almost a six. Almost a six. I mean, like, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I generally generally torn, but um, yeah, the, like uh, yeah, although. The, Considering that sort of like Bruce Willis is actually meant to be like the private eye and like the person who is meant to be able to fucking solve these things, um, yeah. his utter utter failure, um, you know, the fact that kind of like uh, the bankrupt like socialite um, is doing a better job than he is, uh, the person who doesn't want to be doing this job whatsoever, but sort of like um, circumstances have actually kind of like forced her to to be in that position. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of weak. It looks, it does look bad for it does, this episode. Does look bad for Bruce? Yeah, I'll be honest. I mean, also, it, it's worth saying as well that this woman, his his ex partner Gillian Anderson or whatever his name is, <laughs> Gillian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally different program. Gillian, uh, Gillian Armstrong. Um, the truth is out there. The truth <laughs> is on my paper. Um, I want to believe. <laughs> I mean, I mean the fact the fact that she hasn't basically she we didn't mention this in the rest of the episode, but she walked out on Bruce Willis like three years ago and never said goodbye, and then all of a sudden turns up, and it's like she's obviously just sat there and thought, I need a patsy. Who is my Patsy? Oh, what about David Allison Jr.? And you can totally believe that. Like, you would absolutely walk out on Bruce Willis's character because he's a fucking dick. Like, throughout all of these... Pro like, every single scene, he's a fucking cock. Um, he is a dick. He is a dick. He is, he is a slightly more ramped up, dickish version of the character he plays in Die Hard. I mean, he... At this, at this time, he is just a wise-cracking... Sharp talking, smooth operating douchebag. Oh, he loves the wisecracking. Um, <laughs> he's a wise, he's a wisecracker. He is, um, and he also likes kind of like the singing, like basically like um, his uh, Bruno um, persona for his um, fucking horrendous um, like blues band that he is the front man of um, <laughs> oh, I'm not aware I'm not aware of their work unfortunately. Oh, check it out it's horrendous <laughs> okay okay well let me do my let me do my rating for Moonlighting and we can move on or rather my rating for uh, David and Maddie as I as I like to think of them oh, um, up close and personal I wish uh <laughs> I'm going to have to agree with you on the Bruce Willis. Uh, you know, I think in other episodes he does he does quite a good job. But as we are bound strictly by the rules imposed on us by the shadowy team behind the detective inspectors, I'm going to have to also give him a one. But I'm going to give I'm going to give <laughs> I'm going to give Civil Shepherd um, a seven because okay. she because she. Right from the start, as soon as that hotel balcony situation 
as soon as the uh, uh, the overdose situation, as soon as all that stuff happened, she knew. She was on it. Bruce Willis was claiming that this woman is getting persecuted and is at risk. And she was like, nope, I've met the husband. It's not like that. So I'm going to give... I'm going to give Bruce a one and Sybil, and Sybil Shepherd a seven. Okay. Uh, and nice. I'm going to give the show okay. as a whole, as we're going to rate the show as a whole right now, I'm going to give it, and you're not going to like it. Oh. But I'm, I'm, giving it I'm giving it a nostalgic eight, because I could watch this all day. And uh, uh, I would kind of... Pro- it's good. Um, this episode wasn't. This episode wasn't good. Like this the, is a the, poor episode. Um, the, the pilot was good, um, uh, and like the second episode, I, I genuinely enjoyed. Um, Pre episodes didn't didn't have to watch it. Just chose to, um, which says more about my life than probably the program itself. But um, <laughs> <laughs> quiet weekend. <laughs> just. Oh God, <laughs> miserable! <laughs> Fucking hell! Um, so you know, if, if I could rate this against kind of like my own uh, absolute kind of like total despair, um, it, it it rates quite highly. <laughs> but also, this episode wasn't very good. Um, and I, I, I don't, I'm not sure if that's like indicative of the entire series, because um, the episodes that I saw before were actually kind of entertaining. Well, I think that you, I think you've got to take that. I think you've got to take that aboard and just say that, you know, maybe we just, you know, we have to pick these at random because I can't watch the first half of every single episode <laughs> of Moonlighting to pick the best one. <laughs> So, so maybe we are, you know, maybe we did pick a dud on this occasion, and that's and that's a shame. But so, so you never gave a rating for Moonlighting, just quickly, and then I've got a, I've got a treat for you after that. Okay. Um. So this episode, I would give a four. Um. The series and the concept, like the concept and the actual, um, the work of the actual stars, I will give it a. I would give it an all round seven, I think. Okay. Cause, okay, that's fair. That's Because uh, I fucking love Sybil Shepherd. Um, yeah. I love Sybil. Ama- Everyone loves Sybil uh, Shepherd. Yeah, she's fucking amazing. Um, Can I give you some advice on Sybil Shepherd if you ever get to go out with her? Uh, yeah. On your first date, don't take her to a dirty movie in a CD <laughs> Manhattan porno uh, cinema. Because I'm telling you right now, she does not like that. However organised we intend to get, either now or in the future. That's excellent advice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, taxi driver, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> right there. Don't get me started on Jodie Foster. Anyway, oh, Jesus. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Cutting that out. <laughs> Don't keep that in. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so we're pretty much done on moonlighting now, and I've got uh, I've actually got a Twitter correspondence, which I'd like to uh, relay to Tabby because I'm in charge of the Twitter account, and so he's not aware of this of what happened here. This, but I think he's going to be quite excited. This is exciting. Is 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 it Sybil Shepherd? 
It's it's the the next best thing. The guy who tried to kill Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Basically, you might not remember this, but because you are. <laughs> um, <laughs> but a couple of episodes ago, you used the word sensical. Do you remember? Yes. You said sensical, and I, I said, "What are you talking about?" And you said. Well, if they're the nonsensical, there must be a sensical. Yeah, I, I did say that. I remember that clearly. <laughs> so I, I much like you, thought a little more of it. But a regular listener, or should I say the regular listener, who goes by the uh, Twitter moniker of Della Forge. Uh, uh, like anyone who listens, I'm not going to trust the opinion of anyone who listens to this. <laughs> well, you're not. This is not. You're not trusting the opinion of someone that listens to this. You need to let me finish. Okay. So he... <laughs> He sent a tweet to Susie Dent <laughs> off of Countdown yeah. and asked and, 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 and put our at detective underscore inspect in the thing and he asked her if sensical is the autonym of nonsensical. And Susie Dent replied to him and yeah. to us and said that yes, it is recorded from the 1700s that sens- sensical is the autonym of nonsensical, and that also goes for common sensible as well. Common sensical, common sensical. So we have been. Susie Dent knows who we are. She doesn't listen. She didn't answer my thank you, Susie Dent tweet, but she knows who we are. And we've got Delaforge to thank for that, and I thank him from the bottom of my underpants. <laughs> I'm. The- uh, I'm, I'm the utterly, utterly blown away. That's amazing. That's really good, isn't it? Yeah, that's really cool. Um, <laughs> Literally the best thing that's happened to this podcast ever. It's basically the best thing that's happened to me ever. <laughs> good, right? Uh, yeah. No, that's... no I'm. De- <laughs> I'm. I did absolutely overjoyed it's <laughs> great it's great and I have to say thank you Delaforge regular listener uh, we, we, we salute you you're one of you're pretty much the only person who regularly comments on the links for the episodes and you always retweet you always like and uh, and yeah good on you good on you Delaforge thank you very much thank you it's, it's yeah, that's absolutely delightful. <laughs> it's great. It's great work. Getting a, a, you know, he got a big player in the afternoon television Channel Four area to tweet about us, and uh, it's great. It's great. Well, we're uh, we're really hitting the big time now. Um, yeah. I know. We've still only got si- we've still only got sixteen followers on Twitter though. Which, uh, <laughs> Which is poor, but uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. We're playing the. We are playing the long game. It, it, it is very much the long game, um, and you know, it's it's just nice to know that. No, Susie Dent knows who we are. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, listen, don't listen. No one's forcing you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> just. One day, one day we will be, uh, <laughs> we will be kings, kings of the podcast world. We will take over the world. 
I mean, there's no, there's no danger of that not happening. So, you know, Delaforce, good on you. You will be last against the wall come the revolution. Um, <laughs> okay. And on that note, I think we should say goodbye. It's been a good one, I think. I think so. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it as well. I love. I, I just want to have one final word on Moonlighting and just say that I, I love the music. I love the people in it. I love the show. I love the, I love the on and off sexual tension between Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepherd. It's very much the Ross and Rachel of its generation. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and I think I think that just about does us. I think that's a, I think that's good. Um, I get in uh, touch maybe if you want. Get um, in touch. Yeah, you can uh, you can contact us at um, the Detective Inspectors at gmail.com. or you can tweet us like Susie Dent did at Detect underscore Inspect. And please do, and please tell your friends if you are listening to this. Please tell your friends about it. Please like us on iTunes. Please subscribe. You know, we're busting our nuts here for you guys, and uh, <laughs> we're, we're not getting much back. No, apart and from, if you from are Susie, uh, And if you are Susie, then fucking amazing. I think you're fucking great. So, I think, uh, yeah, I love you. I love you, Susie. If you want to be a guest presenter or even regular co presenter, then uh, I, could, I could definitely find a vacancy for you. You're getting a bit creepy and also <laughs> insulting to me. <laughs> That's been my theme of the podcast, being insulting to you. <laughs> and creepy. <laughs> That's my theme of my life. Cool. Let's, uh, let's, let's take this out of the oven. It's fucking done. It's done. Come in and make some flour. Um, who have you been? Um, I've been Tabby. And who are you? Probably Marcus Braeburn. And together, we have we been... We have been the... Detective... Detective Inspectors. I always thought the first time I rode in one of these, I'd be on my back. Don't tempt me.